0: Hi, I'm Dean Chris. Welcome to Straight Talk on Leadership. This is what we'd like to say is the no BS zone, where we give you leadership tips, ideas, and practical suggestions to help you become a top leadership performer. Our goal is simple. Help you become the best version of yourself and reach your highest potential as a leader. So sit back, turn up the volume, and be ready to change your life. First of all, I want to thank our panelists. I want to thank you're going to see the panelists in the top there. We got Todd Gibson from Moore, Oklahoma. We've got Ricky uh Ricky McMillan Flo, uh, from Flowood, Mississippi. We got John Lau from Titusville, Florida PD, and we've got Alfonso Williams, the sheriff of Burke County. Uh, these folks were invited to this uh, webinar today because, first of all, I have a personal relationship, but secondly. I have been watching their departments over the last several years, and these guys are doing some great things regarding the current state of law enforcement and and some of the problems and some of the issues that we're facing right now. And they're doing an outstanding job and they've got some observations. They're living these problems. They're seeing them every day. And so the idea came Mm -hmm. about to get them together. What we do at Leaders Helping Leaders Network is that's what we're all about. We want other leaders to help other leaders get better at doing what they're doing. And in law enforcement, it's really kind of hard to get everybody together. There's just a lot going on. People are really busy. So we thought about, let's do a live webinar and let's talk about some of the current issues that are going on. And let's get some of our panelists to talk about some of the things and ideas that they've got. Now, we know this is a really, really tough time in law enforcement. There's a lot going on. We know that our communities are, are, we kind of have a disconnect with them. We have a lot going on. So we're going to talk about the problems in law enforcement. And of course, you know, we can't do all of them. There's no way we could do all the problems. So we're going to limit today to three specific areas. And if you've got an area out there that you really want us to talk about, or you want to hear what they've got, Of course, we'll talk about that. And of course, we'll address that issue. But as you know, we just can't do them all. So we're going to talk about three specific areas. And the way this webinar is going to go is I'm going to talk about the areas that we're going Mm -hmm. to discuss. And then I'm going to talk, uh, let them, the folks in the panel, talk about some of the things they're seeing. And then we're going to offer suggestions, the things that we can do to maybe help with some of the issues that we're seeing. Now, in law enforcement, it's not like working anywhere else. You have to be very committed. You have to believe in this job. You have to really kind of uh, be all in. And so we're seeing a change of that and some of the attitudes around the country. But let me talk about the three areas that we're going to try to address. The first one is going to be the narrative of police and community support. Now, that in itself could be a two-day webinar, but we know there's an issue there and we've got to talk about, we've got some ideas and suggestions on helping people recapture that narrative and how to get that community support back. The second thing we want to talk about in this webinar is hiring and retention. Now, as you know, it's very difficult to hire in today's world. And we're also seeing cops who are in this job 15, 20 years Really trying to look for a way out, not really loving the fact that they made that decision 20 years ago. So we're seeing those things. And then the third thing is we're seeing probably, and this is what really prompted me to do this webinar, was I'm seeing a paralysis of police. In other words, cops are just not being as proactive as they were in the past. We've stopped doing our aggressive patrols and functions. Not because it's like we want to do it, but we just don't feel like we're supported. And I have seen the worst morale and the lowest morale and the paralysis of police. Now, I'm not trying to make a statement that that's every cop is that way. But as a rule, we're seeing this as a generalization across the country. And I'm actually in the classroom with people every single week. And I've been into every part of the country over the last three <clears> or four months. I have never seen cops as angry as I see them now and as their morale is low as it has been. So we got to as leaders, we've got to do some things to pick this up. We cannot afford to go much longer with the separation of the communities and the separation of the police and our officers paralyzed and the hiring and retention and the community support kind of not there. We've got to find a way to do that. Now, I'm not trying to sell a bad negative picture. Matter of fact, on the contrary, I'm trying to tell you this is a great opportunity for us to find innovative, creative ways to reconnect to our communities. And some of these ideas that our folks have got out there are really going to help you today. So I'm going to welcome each one of these panelists then. Well, you kind of know what we're going to be talking about. And I'm going to go kind of how they look on my screen. And they look on my screen. I'm going to go, John, I'm going to go first to you. Then Ricky, I'm coming to you. And then I'm going to Alfonso, and then I'm going to go to Todd. So if you'll take just a second and just kind of say, introduce where you're from and just talk about a couple of things, and then we'll move this thing, and then we'll get into kind of some of those problems individually. All right, John, it's over to you, buddy. Thank you. How you doing? Great.
1: Um, Yeah, so uh, my name is John Lau. I've been in law enforcement for 30 years, all 30 years here in the city of Titusville. I appreciate you putting this on, Dean, because uh, this is very, very important. And um, the best practices and, and sharing best practices is really what it's all about. Um, you know, it really gets down to it. In many ways, a lot of the things that, that I'm going to be talking about today, I'm very blessed. I have a city, uh, five out of five of our uh, city council support what our men and women are doing. Um, I think I have the best city manager in the country. Um, and that is another huge, huge thing, um, and a supportive city, but, um, we have to be, it's for us, it's going right back. uh, The basics being, um, community policing, getting out in the community. Uh, you, you mentioned about the narrative of, of police today. Um, if, if if folks now are just starting to bond and try to get to know their community it, it it's gonna be a challenge um but all of the investments that we have made over the years all of the deposits we've made into our community um has actually um really started to to show and um so uh that's basically uh
0: Well, John, let me say one thing about your community. Your community has had a number of challenges with police shootings or issues that have occurred over the last years. So you're not just talking from a standpoint of everything's been wonderful and, you know, all this. There's been a lot of issues. So I just want people to realize that. And one of the reasons you're on here is because of your experience in making those things better. And part of what you've done has helped. So we just we can't wait to hear some of your ideas. Ricky, if you would, buddy.
2: Well, here in Flowood, well, uh, let me start by saying I'm Ricky McMillan, Chief of the Police in Flowood. I've been in Flowood for 18 years. I've been in law enforcement for a little over 30. Um, I'm we are a unique community. We have we are a small net community. We only have 10,000 residents, but we have four major state highways that run in through our community. So we move anywhere from 200 to 250,000 cars through our community in a day. That being said, our officers are very proactive. We did hit a lull. You was talking about a while ago. We did hit a lull during the COVID or when COVID first started. We hit a very low as far as being proactive. But since then, I mean, when you sit on where we sit, um, which is outside the city of Jackson, which is our capital city that has you know a real high murder rate and stuff like that. Our guys have to be proactive in order to keep our community safe, and that's one of our biggest things here. We want to fight crime where crime exists. We want to make sure that when you cross into Rankin County and the Flowood, that our people know that they're being protected. Um, well, and let me
0: let me mention something about Ricky's community. I've I've been there, and it's a great community, but it is sits right on the outside of Jackson, Mississippi. If you don't realize, you can look it up, Jackson, Mississippi, in terms of the size, is the state capital there, uh, I believe, of Mississippi. And and it also, there's probably, what, a hundred and some odd thousand there, 140,000, maybe. Something like about 150. About 150,000. And they have already had almost 150 murders this year. So that per capita is one of the highest in the country. So that kind of tells people of the community right outside the door for the reason of proactive, there's a lot of crime issues near you, if you will.
2: Right. And one of my biggest troubles, like you said, has been uh, getting applications in and retaining officers and stuff like that. But to me, it's not just in law enforcement. My fire service, my fire chief has the same issues with finding good applicants and retaining people just as I do. So I don't think that's as far as, us is is, is an issue directed directly toward law enforcement i think it's just a a deal in general Um, but that being said we had to alter the way we do go out and recruit you know we do we go into the colleges more we do have academies here that have self-sponsor uh cadets so we do send our training officer there to recruit at the academy level and that's been very successful for us Um, we're a 52-man department you know we're blessed we're 50 out of 52 on staff with three getting ready to go to the academy so uh i'm i'm very glad to be here i'm you know i can't wait to see how this uh all comes about I'm looking forward for some great discussions
0: okay thank you ricky i appreciate we're going to alfonso now the sheriff of burke county
3: hello everybody dean thank you so much for inviting me to be on look we are here to mentor our cohorts and and uh, uh, to help in this changing world. Uh, everything's changing. Now, you know, we we find ourselves wanting to go back to to uh, the way it used to be, and that's just not happening. It's a new world. It's a new world view. Everything is changing from crime to technology to families and communities, and and we've just got to find more ways to be proactive in our approach to to hiring training. And retaining the best qualified folks, it's it's uh, we've got to find ways to be more intentional in forging partnerships and relationships. And when we get into these crises, if you look back historically, we always go back to what works, and that is relationships and partnerships, human to human, getting away from being robotic and and being intentional about improving people's quality of life and changing lives. So. Uh, This is my 32nd year in law enforcement. I'm really looking forward to our conversations today. And uh, I I think we just we've got to change the way we approach these issues. And that is we've just got to find servant leaders.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so thank you, Al, for that. Now, Todd Gibson from Moore, Oklahoma.
4: Uh, Chief Chris, thank you so much for uh, letting me be here. This is an honor to be with you guys and to to be participating in this. One of my goals today is to absolutely learn something. Uh, I'm in my 26th 26th year uh, in law enforcement. Uh, Prior to being chief, I I was a sheriff of this county, Cleveland County, and more in Cleveland County, sit in the Oklahoma City metropolitan area. Kind of what we're known for, unfortunately, is tornadoes. So if you look at more Oklahoma, you'll see a lot about tornadoes. Uh, But I can assure you, anybody is sitting there thinking, "What's this guy from Oklahoma talking about?" I did not ride a horse to work today, and I've never slept in a teepee my entire time. Uh, But we're right there in the middle of a of a large metropolitan area. We face many of the same problems that people do across the country, and we as well are looking into the future on how can we mold uh, the next generation of law enforcement and what is that exactly going to look like. As we move forward in 21st century policing uh, and addressing some of the challenges. And so uh, hopefully something that we're doing, uh, you can lean on and you can develop and, and, and expand on. And hopefully I can learn something today that we can bring back here home to Oklahoma. So, Chief uh, Chris, I appreciate so much you having me on.
0: Well, man, we're, we're glad to have you. And, and Todd is located right outside of Oklahoma City. And there's a lot going on there where a city very similar to their size, Norman, Oklahoma, where the University of Oklahoma is, they're having a very difficult time retaining cops. Uh, They've lost a large uh, number of their force there because of some of the policies and things that have been enacted where I'm from in Asheville, North Carolina. Post George Floyd, that's the department of 245 officers. They have lost over 95 cops uh, since the George Floyd case because of some of the things and the support of law enforcement. Now, if you're fortunate enough to be in a community where you have a lot of support, then we will certainly lean on you telling us and helping us to understand how do we get that type of support because it's not that way around the country and we are in a crisis period of time. I think one of the things that kind of – I will say and and, and i don't mean for this to be critical of anyone but one of the things that have happened to us in law enforcement is that we've become what i call intellectually lazy meaning the fact is that times have changed as much as al has said right in front of us but we've always depended on doing it like we did yesterday and that being satisfactory for tomorrow well we all know that these times are going to require us to think ahead of the box and not even outside of the box, but we got to think about other boxes. And so I want to talk about the community support and narrative, because we have seen that around the country kind of go to the point where cops are not heroes anymore. They appear to be villains in a lot of people's eyes. And if you look at police actions anymore, people don't look for immediately to talk about trust. They talk about well, what happened is and is the person, the police either shot or arrested. Or are they a victim? Now, that's a very strong change from what we're used to. And a lot of that has to do with just trust in itself, because the fabric of where we're at, because the actions of a few have has caused distrust amongst law enforcement. Now, I want to make this observation and then I want to hear what you guys have to say about community support and the narrative of the police. But as far as I know, law enforcement is the only profession where the actions of one can cause discredit of the actions of all.
2: Let's take a short break from the show and we'll be right back. Hey, Straight Talk on Leadership listeners. I just wanted to
0: take a quick break and thank each and every one of you for listening to our podcast. With your support, Dean climbed to Amazon's bestseller list for his new book, Essential Leadership Lessons from the Thin Blue Line. You can purchase Dean's book at any of your favorite retail locations, as well as our home website. We would love to see you in one of Dean's upcoming live classes. You can find where Dean will be teaching next, as well as buy his new book at
3: www.lhlm.org. Thanks again. Now, back to the episode.
0: And that is a very strange occupation and profession where that occurs. No other profession do I know of where the actions of one person can cause discredit into across the entire board to law enforcement. It doesn't happen in nursing, it doesn't happen in doctoring, it doesn't happen in lawyering, it doesn't happen in teaching. It doesn't happen in any other profession. And so that is how fragile the trust of our communities are, that the actions of a person outside of our own agency that would be across the country can have a negative impact on the actions of our officers inside of our agencies. Now, if you don't think that's a crisis period of time, then we really need to get you to think a little bit differently. But I am seeing the narrative being ripped away from us and that we are no longer telling our story. We're letting other people tell our story. Never in the history have you seen such activist groups that are actually paid to go out and create a negative narrative of law enforcement. You've not seen that before. We actually have people who are out there and they do everything they can do to tear down the trust between police and the community. So I'm opening it up to you guys. And I want to hear if you're seeing the same things that I'm seeing. And I do want to talk about some things that we can do to return our narrative of that. But I want to think: Do Are you guys seeing the same thing? I? Am?
2: Well, here in Flowood, uh, like I said, before George Floyd, we already had a very strong relationship with our churches, our schools, our our, our neighborhoods. Um, but we in such a pro-police atmosphere here in Rankin County and Floyd, Mississippi, that after George Floyd, even though the nation was kind of ripping itself apart, we were actually strengthened by our community. Our community actually came together to give us more support than we had actually prior, before George Floyd's death. Um, but I do want to touch on what Alfonso said as far as making partnerships. I think we have to do that as leaders as well. That's why I reached out to the chief of a neighboring jurisdiction of mine over in Ridgely, Mississippi, Chief John Neal. We've actually partnered up with you to bring not only the serving officer to Flowood, hopefully during the, Train the trainer. Also, we do the intentional leadership and the master leadership. We have got to get our guys focused on the realization that we are in a service oriented industry and we are simply here to help people. But, and so I think that's how we're going to actually be able to bring our profession back is really changing the mind of one officer at a time.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that that's true. Uh, folks, Brad Stovey?
1: I I agree. Um the city of Titusville has fifty thousand residents and we sit right opposite the Kennedy Space Center, just so you can picture it in Florida, uh central Florida. We have a hundred sworn officers. Um since uh January one of twenty twenty, um we hired thirty-one officers. That's two years and one month, a hundred man department hired 31 the problem is we lost 25 now um the challenge with that is eight of the 25 or eight percent of our police officers changed careers um and uh then you had about um six of the 25 changed departments some of them went federal some of them um went forward and and the, the challenge, we're, we're not having problems finding people. The days of going to a police academy and on the day of graduation with your business card, those days are gone. They are completely gone. Down here in Florida, you're actually finding people that have the heart, the, the servant heart for um, leadership and for police uh, law enforcement. And then we're putting them through actually paying them to to go to the academy um back into the community side um building the community what i have uh personally seen here is the difference uh uh, i guess great approachable versus accessible and um we have given cell phones to every single officer they give that phone number out and and not only do we give out our numbers but we actually pick up and that Little bit has really helped us over the past two years.
0: So you're you're actually getting the cell phone numbers and giving them to the officers to give out to the community. So what you're saying is that relationship one by one is really paying off for you guys. Now this is something that I want to consider. I I just want to make this. I want to make this statement about the narrative thing. For example, I don't. I don't. I want to realize. I want you to realize that the statements I make are just based upon things I wished I would have done when I was chief, and things that I want to see happening, and things that I see working. So when I say this, I'm I'm saying this in the spirit of really trying to get all of us to help each other out here. But one thing I want to say is that leaders during this particular time have to lead. They cannot set back. And wait for things to return to the way they were. Alfonso said that earlier in his comment, and it is so true, but we can't wait. And I made a a statement, and I want you to think about this in terms of the narrative. You know, our narrative is really, really uh, kind of at the core of who we are. If somebody else is telling the police story, then we can't, we we really can't afford that. We've got to tell our own story. And I think what you're trying to do, John, and what you're saying is, and what Ricky had said, the individual officer one at a time, but I think you guys are saying, reconnect that officer individually to one relationship at a time that helps the narrative. Now that helps individually, no question. But we have got to start taking advantage of the social media and we have got to find where people are. You can do those one relationship at a time. But if you're not doing the mass communicating with your message, then you're going to be way behind because somebody else is mass communicating the second that you, that something happens, they're sending a narrative out. Now, I just want cops to think about this for a second, because what I'm really wanting to do in this webinar is to get And live webinars to get people to think. So I just want to propose a statement to you for a second. And I know this is kind of like you're going to think, well, way, that's way out there. But I want you to think about this for a second. Imagine this. We give people guns. We give people equipment. We give them the ability. We give them the laws. We give them our policies. We give them the ability to take a life of an individual. And we trust them with all those things. But we won't trust them with a tweet. We won't trust them to get the message out to their community. And so we'll trust them with a gun, but we won't trust them to put a post out to where they're telling their story of things that they're doing. And all I'm saying is, is that I know the circumstances of releasing everybody to tweet. I'm not advocating that at all, but there has to be a better control mechanism where these officers When they do reconnect to their communities, they're giving that message out to their communities. And I think it's really important to realize that there are so many good stories out there that cops are doing every day. We've got to give them a way to tell their story that falls in line with the message that we want our public to have. And you as the chief and you as the head executive can't control all those messages. You've got to give the people the way to do it. And I'm going to step back and let y'all either eat that comment alive or comment on it.
4: Chief, what I would uh, say to that is I think you're exactly right. Um, Unfortunately, law enforcement has been drawn into this political national political arena. I don't think we want to be there, uh, but nonetheless, we are there. And I, I think many of us on this, uh, on this call today, we we can remember the day that when the police officer showed up, when the police officer walked into court, what the police officer said was truth. And that's unfortunately just not the case today. And whereas in the past, we could sit back and we could let our community come to us, we have to be more intentional about pushing out and reaching out in a variety of ways to, to connect with our community, to be transparent, to continue a A constant dialogue of communication back and forth between us and our community. And you can't just take a one size fits all. You can't take a one strategy to do that. You have to be multifaceted with your strategy. But one of the most important things I think that enabled to first start doing that is you have to have your house in order. You have to have your own house in order. You have to have your police officers, and the culture inside your organization operating in the right method. It's an inside-out approach. We need to, we have to address issues in our community, connect with our community, and work with our community. We, as Sir Robert Peel said so many years ago in in the 1800s of his modern-day principles on policing, we are just simply members of the public paid to give that's full-time right. attention to something that's incumbent upon everybody in our community. But sometimes nowadays, we live in a very self-centered world here in the United States and people don't want to engage. People have been, been pushed a narrative that there's a distrust for law enforcement. When you look at Gallup polls and the most recent Gallup poll, still today, law enforcement is in the top five of most trusted professions in the United States. When you look at officer-involved shootings, shootings, the the numbers do not match the narrative. And I think we as law enforcement leaders have to, like you've said, Chief Crisp, take back that narrative and start driving the future of law enforcement and where we're going and what right. to we've sat back for too long. And mm-hmm. as leaders, we have to drive internally and externally with a multifaceted approach on how we
0: make sure our community is connected with us and And it does take courage to lead, I mean, there is absolutely no doubt about it and i wanna I wanna say this in, in terms so somebody needs to mute their microphone, please. Kelly, can you mute them okay, so what what I wanna say about the the social media thing is this that this is kind of what I know this is gonna sound crazy to folks, but we're not in normal times. And when you're not in normal times, you have, to do, you have to do things outside of the norm. And I would say this, I would recommend, listen, ask yourself this, how much do you spend on your SWAT team? If you're not spending equally as much on your social media team as you're on your SWAT team, you're way behind because you're, you need to get that message of the cop support equally as you do tactically and technically proficient.
2: You've been listening to the Straight Talk on Leadership podcast with Dean Crisp. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or Spotify so that you do not miss a future episode. Also, please visit our website, www.lhln.org, where you can find the show notes, links provided by our guests, and learn more about the Leaders Helping Leaders Network and our upcoming classes. Until our next episode in the No BS Zone, be sure to put your leadership into action every day. Thank you for listening.